Hi, I'm Tom Zalatni. And I'm Tafra Jamian. And you're listening to the No Bad Food Podcast. If you're new here, welcome. This is a show about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. Our mandate is simple, to explore, taste, and learn about food in ways that celebrate all the things that make it great. Every week, we dig into a different dish, meal, ingredient, cuisine, or piece of food media, exploring the history and culture around it, sharing favorite recipes, and learning from our wonderful guests. The only rule? You gotta love it. After all, there's there's no no such such thing thing as as bad food. food. Before we dig in, we'd like to take a minute to acknowledge that the studio where we're recording is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. We are always pro-Indigenous, and we are always anti-colonial here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and with the Indigenous communities of that area. And if these are terms that are new to you, take some time looking into what this means. Take some time looking into indigeneity, into colonialism, and into the history of where you live or somewhere you're curious about. It's never too late to learn more. Yeah. So we're back. It's another fine week here on the No Bad Food podcast. Our second week recording in our newly renovated studio. Yeah. I'm in a level with you folks. There was a big dumping of snow today, so there is a distinct possibility we're going to get some snow plows tonight. I'm, I'm hoping they lay off. We'll see. If you don't know what snow plows sound like... They sound like So if you hear that Oh my leg It's either that or Tom. Yeah, exactly. We'll see. We'll see which one it is. One thing that snowplows and today's topic have in common, oh this is a fun one, is that both of them do something to break down and or destroy and eliminate things that fall from the sky in the winter. Yeah. Or I guess things that accumulate on the ground during the winter, because ice doesn't really fall from the sky that often. Today we're talking salt, which, uh, you know, the tie in there is that salt can be used to melt ice. That's not the kind of salt you want to eat. No, although I have used kosher salt to to melt ice on our stairs before. Oh, I've done it in a pinch, yeah, for sure. in a moment of desperation. Yeah. Uh, but no, it is not something you generally want to make a habit out of. Sidewalk salt or, or ice salt is its own kind of animal. But uh, when we're talking about salt in food, what we're talking about tends to be one of two things, either the mineral salt, so literally salt, sodium chloride, mm-hmm. or the like quantity of that mineral that's found inside of a food. Because uh, obviously, it's a naturally occurring chemical compound, mm-hmm. so it does exist in other foods, right? Like there is small quantities of it in fruits and vegetables and meat and whatnot that don't look like grains of salt. Right. Um, But for the most part, when we talk about salt and when we talk about salt today, especially, we are going to be talking majorly about the mineral itself. Yeah. Yeah, The little rock boy. Yeah. Exclusively? Probably not exclusively because that feels, I don't like to deal in absolutes here, you know? Only a Sith deals in absolutes. Yeah, exactly. I don't know Star War. I just said that. I think that's a thing they say in the Star War. Yeah, I think they say that. Don't tell me the odds. Okay, some things about salt just to kind of set a baseline here before we start talking too much. Salt, sodium chloride, we touched on that already, uh, is a mineral that makes food taste tasty. Like at its base, that is the primary function of salt in the food that we eat. 
in terms of flavor, in terms of why we use it when we cook. Uh, it also does have some benefits health-wise for our bodies because our bodies do need a certain amount of salt. Let's let this sink in for a second here while all of the diet culture people scream and disappear into oblivion. Human bodies need salt to live. This is a, a controversial statement, but we do. We, we do need salt in our bodies in order to live. I actually think diet culture has started to recognize that we need salt. That's good. The bad thing now is sugar, which we could talk about another sure, time. Sure, sure. That'll be another but, uh, episode. Because yeah. electrolytes, right? Well, that's it, right? So, Everybody anyway. needs electrolytes. Exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, salt helps you not get dehydrated, by the way. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah, our, our bodies need salt in order to function, in order to break down everything else that's in our bodies. But of course, too much of a good thing is always possible, right? It's like we always say here, there's no bad food, but you can definitely overdo it on literally anything. And salt is no exception to that. Like you can get <laughs> problems with your health from I mean, consuming too much sodium. As anybody who has eaten a bag of chips in one sitting knows, there is such a thing as too much salt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's it. So, you know. And who among us has not eaten a bag of chips in a sitting? Honestly, like I think at least... Once or twice a month, I will have a day where I feel like garbage by the end of the day. And I'm like, why do I feel like this? And then I think about what I ate that day. And it's like, oh, I basically only ate like high salt foods today. It happens. It happens. Yeah. So the amount of salt that's in a dish can like radically change the way that we taste it, right? We've talked about salt as like a flavor booster as its primary function. And that is true. If a dish has no salt in it, it's going to taste a little bland. It still might taste fine, but it's not going to it's going to feel like it's missing something. You put a little salt in there, it might make a difference. Sometimes you have to put just the right amount of salt in there. But if you put too much salt in there, it's going to taste gross. <laughs> and it's really hard sometimes to find that line. Uh so you have to work with your seasoning and really like figure it out from dish to dish. Generally speaking, you want to sort of start small and work your way up because it's easy to add salt but it's really hard to get rid of salt when something is too salty Teffer, i am curious if you have a, a, a guesstimate as to when people started like using salt for things historically like the first time they found the ocean sure <laughs> <laughs> i just think people have been using salt for a very long time yeah it's naturally occurring and we crave it yeah i mean that's that's pretty fair that's uh we have records of people harvesting and using salt for things as early as like 6,000 BCE. Yeah. So like 8,000 years ago when we don't have a lot of records of much, but even that far back, we can tell people were using salt for things. Interestingly, like we have evidence of an ancient salt mine or salt processing plant, whatever you want to call it, in what would be like Bulgaria and Romania, kind of that sort of area of Europe today. Mm -hmm. Uh, from 8,000 years ago. But we also have like similarly very old records of salt production in like China and a bunch of parts of Asia and Africa and Europe and like kind of all over the place. Yeah. yeah. I really feel like this is one of those things. Like recently um, archaeologists discovered, this is not about salt, but recently they discovered twisted cord in mm. a Neanderthal settlement. Sure. And we have said for for hundreds of years that working with textiles didn't happen till well after the Neanderthal period. Right. And then it was like, oh, the Neanderthals were making cord. Right. Okay. <laughs> because textile uh, um, rots very quickly. So a lot of these right. things that there's no evidence for, it's because that evidence has, has been 
transubstantiated by nature. Right. Um, and I feel like with this, like this is another one of those things. It's like we have evidence of people using salt to 8,000 years ago, but we just have very little evidence of what people were doing before then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's it. And so like it probably stands to reason like the ways that we harvest salt, yeah. right, are either by mining it off of big chunks of salt that exist in like caves and yeah. mines and, you know, that kind of thing which presumably anybody who can swing a tool at a wall can do yeah so you know god knows how long ago that would have been or by boiling salty water mm-hmm. and collecting the salt that's left or over after simply it gathering salt off ocean rocks because yeah. the, the the ocean does the evaporation also right and like i really i mean there's two things that are coming to mind one mm. is animals love salt sure yeah um you know you you uh, attract deer by putting out a salt lick, right. right? So one thing is people watching animals and yeah. saying, oh, animals love to lick that rock. Right. What's going on with that rock, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like the, it's like the bears and the honey. Yeah. If you see a bear tearing down a, a beehive and eating the goo inside, you're probably yeah. going to think maybe I should eat that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I'm thinking of is ocean fish, right? Sure. Like yeah. people have been eating fish for a very long time and seaweed yeah. and other ocean things. And I can see it being, hey, when I eat the fish from this body of water, um, this salty body of water, they taste really good. Right. When I eat the fish from the fresh body of water, they don't taste the same. Yeah. I like salty fish more. Yeah. You know, or when I eat the seaweed, it's different from when I eat the ground weed. Right. What's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, that's it, right? It's it's yeah. it's all sort of, as soon as people get the ability to pay attention to what they're doing and, yeah. and think like, huh, I noticed this, I noticed this, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Probably it doesn't take much to figure out salt. And if Neanderthals are making cord, they're probably being like, hey, this fish tastes better. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So apart from its flavor-boosting properties, we know also that people have been using salt to preserve things for thousands of years, right? We have record of that as well, where it's like, oh, salt is being used to, like, stop meat from going bad. It's been been used to draw the blood out of meat. Mm -hmm. Like, in biblical times, they were using salt to kosher meat. Yeah which is where kosher salt comes from. Like there, there is a lot of reference in documents and whatnot from yeah. thousands of years ago to like using salt to either brine or preserve or cure or just extend the life somehow of a, a fruit or a vegetable or a meat product while taking it across the ocean mm-hmm. or while going through a desert. Mm-hmm. And like, I would even be willing to venture that maybe they've been using it for that longer than they've been using it for like flavor boosting very possible you know? like, yeah i don't know i think it probably starts with flavor boosting and then mm. discovering yeah that maybe. those things don't go bad as fast yeah yeah but you like, know what that, you know, that's probably we won't true. know until we get to talk to our ancestors so mm-hmm. the salt is really one of those things like bread like when we talk about bread which we've been doing for the past two years <laughs> god help us you know bread is one of those things that's synonymous with food And salt is almost one of those things that's, like, synonymous with life. Yeah. Like, salt, because of its preservative qualities, because of its flavor qualities, like, there have been wars, literal wars, Mm -hmm. fought over salt. Yeah. Um, And and it also, like, even, like, not just on a symbolic level, but on a, like, literal level, like, people have used salt to stay alive. Yeah. Like, the the word salary, I think we've talked about this on the show before at some point, comes from salt. Mm-hmm. Because there was a time when people were being paid in amounts of salt that they could have in their homes. Mm-hmm. Like, 
Yeah. I mean, the political history of salt is fascinating. And I think it's something that we don't have the time to get into fully today. But when you look at Gandhi's salt marches, um, when you look at soy sauce being developed because salt was heavily taxed and Mm -hmm. people couldn't afford it, there's really been a history of governments controlling salt to control people. Yeah. Understanding that controlling salt controls people. Right. Just the, yeah, the human connection is, is rich and ancient and really right up there with like water and bread yeah absolutely (laughs) and i mean like if you think about it like a lot of bread like is better with a little salt mixed into it too right like you can't you can't really like separate that when i forget to mix salt into my bread it's not good yeah it happens yeah like i a few times i've forgotten to put the salt in and you taste the loaf and it's immediately just like oh no oh this is (laughs) like this is i mean like i'll eat it yeah but like i'm gonna put like salted butter and extra salt on right exactly (laughs) yeah and then you start getting into that dangerous territory where all you're eating today is salt Ooh, Ooh, risky i mean fun thing with that actually with the salt thing this is a little bit of a of a tangent but this is something people have been discovering lately like because it's january people are getting really into drinking water again sure and because you can get these like 64 ounce water tumblers and i saw a video from somebody who was drinking i mean something ridiculous something like 15 tumblers of water a day yeah yeah. you know ridiculous amount of water almost died Mm. because of the electrolyte imbalance because if you drink too much water and you're not eating enough salt yeah your cells get completely out of whack right. and actually start to die. Right. Because, um, <laughs> like, the balance is off. Right. This is why you have, like, electrolyte drinks, right, that, yeah. are, that are extra hydrating because they have the minerals and the electrolytes you right. need to keep functioning. Cellular biology, folks. Cellular biology is so cool. If you want to know things about metabolism, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like, don't buy someone's online course. Go take a molecular biology class. Go take, like, a cellular physiology class. They are so cool. Yeah. Cells are so cool. Yeah. And you will understand nutrition so much better. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's it, right? Like, knowing the way that things we put into our bodies affect the, like, chemical makeup of our bodies is really, like, it's it's important, I think, at least mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. You don't have to, like, have an expert level understanding of it, but even getting a base understanding of how those things work can be really helpful. I mean, the way my whole mindset shifted when I found out that our bodies digest food down to glucose molecules mm-hmm. to create energy. Sure. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, back to salt. So there are a lot of different varieties of salt. Uh, Obviously, we've talked a little bit about like kosher salt, Mm -hmm. which tends to be a coarser grind used to like draw blood out of meat. We've talked a little bit about salt in general, which to me, like, I don't know, when I talk about salt in general for cooking, I tend to think of like iodized table salt, right? Like just fine ground very like nothing there except that it is a little salty and a little iodized and a little iodized uh which as a side note most salts that you buy for like human consumption depending on where you live in the world will be treated a little bit with other things Mm -hmm. usually to like add a mineral or a vitamin that's like noted to be missing where you live Mm -hmm. do you know why salt is iodized because of that? Yeah, but it's because people were getting goiters, which are uh, is like a thyroid problem. Yeah, yeah. And it's because, you know, in order to get iodine, you need to have not just a like fish heavy diet, but like a really like 
fresh, <laughs> good right, ocean yeah. fish heavy diet. Like it's just, it's hard to get. Sure. So yeah, they started putting tiny amounts in iodine of iodine and salt because A, you don't use that much salt in your cooking. Sure. And iodine's really something you need like a trace amount of. Mm-hmm. And B, everybody uses it. Right. Yeah, um, that makes sense. Like it's not expensive. It's not a luxury item. It's sure. not like eat more fresh fruits and vegetables, you know? <laughs> right. It's like literally everybody's going to be cooking with salt. Right. And it... I mean, you don't see people with goiters anymore. Sure. Yeah. Do you know what a goiter is? Yeah. 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 Okay. Like big old growth. Yeah. It's, it's an enlarged thyroid yeah. is what it is, but it looks like a great big growth, like under your chin. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's it. And uh, I mean, interestingly, like we, I, I mentioned kosher salt a minute ago, that tends to not be iodized mm-hmm. because when you iodize, it doesn't let the salt absorb as much other stuff. Okay. Which makes sense. Yeah. I would say don't like use kosher salt as the only salt you consume yeah now kosher salt also this is i'm I'm doing a deep dive i'm doing like a deep dig in my brain here this is something i know from like when i used to sell 12 different types of salt and had to discern between them um it's got like a pyramid shape right kosher salt something about the shape of the crystals has more surface area yeah this is the thing with salt crystals this Mm. is sorry i'm getting nerdy no no no, do it do it salt crystals Because of the molecular structure of salt, Mm -hmm. no matter how small you get it, the grains will always be the same shape. Interesting. Because that is the chemical makeup. It it is a that's and that's how a crystalline structure works. Okay. Um it has a very like like a certain grid, a certain uh form. So you Uh. know some crystals they're like wands when you break them. Like they'll be like they'll have like kind of a like a stringy to them like selenite has that but if you look at this is something like i used to do a science experiment as a kid if you're trying to tell between sugar and salt Mm. you put it under the microscope and salt is cubic consistently i have an easier way to tell the difference between sugar and salt taste it yeah yeah okay um and and sugar is rounder so anyway yes yes with salt no matter how finely you grind it it will have a similar crystal so if you ever look at coarse grind salt sure yeah you'll see it's like it's little cubes interesting okay very cool it's cool and that's neat because that that means like more surface area i guess science so it can absorb more yeah yeah okay I have a feeling that perhaps my do they have a pyramid shape thing comes from just diamond kosher salt being a uh, big brand. (laughs) Yes, I looked it up. Rather than cubic crystals, kosher salt has a flat plate-like shape. And for some brands may also have a hollow pyramidal shape. And that is how, that is why it's better for koshering because it's flat. So there's more surface area. So here, I'm going to show you a picture of it. Okay, yeah. So you see the difference between like coarse grind salt and kosher salt. Yeah. Okay, yeah. That's very cool. And that that graphic that you're showing me also talks about two other kinds of salt that I was going to mention here, which are flaky sea salt and Malden sea salt Mm -hmm. that are both delicious and wonderful and used more I think for like finishing than for cooking directly I can't wait to talk about some of my favorite salts awesome we will get to that for yeah. sure yeah other kind of notable varieties of salt beyond the like classic uh, flaky sea salts kosher salt you ever had Himalayan rock salt the pink, oh yeah that's the, the lamp salt? you can lick yeah exactly that's a licky lamp licky lamp licky lamp it's we big. also have it in our kitchen I yeah. like it for it's pretty yeah, good it's yeah. pretty good that that is pink and has other vitamins and minerals in it and tends to be yeah. pretty yummy uh, mostly then, minerals mostly minerals salt is a great salt is a great source of minerals yeah. minerals are another thing that like you need trace amounts but 
you know, you might not be getting them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's it. Uh, and then uh, fleur de sel, which is like typically the most expensive salt. It's a fancy thing, as all French food tends to be. Uh, and that is uh, like a finishing salt. You get sort of big flakes. And it's beautiful. It's gorgeous and it's, it's delicious. It's a beautiful salt. And look, it makes sense that it's expensive, but I'm always like, ah, come on. Yeah, I'm going to have know? my salt pots later. My yeah. salt pots can yeah. wait. I have salt pots. That's fair. The only other kind of note on like varieties of salt is that you can flavor salt with pretty much anything. Yeah, you can infuse salt. Yeah. I mean, people it. might know about garlic salt. Yeah. Onion salt. I had a, uh, a ghost pepper infused yeah. salt at one point that was fantastic. I just want people to know that garlic salt is not naturally occurring. It is, in <laughs> fact, garlic powder and salt. Yeah, yeah. You knew that? Yeah, unfortunately. Wow, honey. I'm allergic to garlic. You know things. I know things. <laughs> That's one of those things that I would fully expect you to be like, wait, what? <laughs> I assume that every flavored salt is man-made. I don't know. I thought it was just like a salt that's garlicky. <laughs> Maybe it develops near garlic fields. I don't know things. All right. This is my Tom impression. That's a, that's a good impression of me. You're rude, but it's a good impression of me. Uh, but yeah, people will... Like, if you go to your average... Probably most grocery stores, really, but also especially ones that are like a little more bougie and like enjoy having you know fancy cooking products right and not just your standard fare you're gonna find multiple kinds of flavored salts you're gonna find herb salts spice salts smoked salts anything that you could put a flavor of into something you can probably find a salt of it mostly savory things though there aren't yeah. that many sweet infused salts. Yeah, I guess I, that'd be weird to have a sugar salt. I have seen flour infused salt, though. Like flour infused salts, rose and stuff. That kind of flour. I was thinking like bread flour and I was like, I don't want that. I do like a salt infused <laughs> flour, though. Yeah, I mean, that sounds that sounds good. That <laughs> sounds, sounds like, like bread. bread. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Is there anything else that we need to cover on our like basic breakdown of salt before we head to the mid-roll and come back to talk about our like favorite things about salt i have a quick fun fact loop back please to talking about salt and bread if you are doing naturally leavened bread so mm -hmm. sourdough because of salt's preservative effects you actually don't want to put the salt in right away uh because you want to let the leavener have a bit of time to get started and start okay, multiplying yeah. Yeah. because the salt can actually kill it right so if you put it in too early you'll knock them out before they have a chance to get started so what i usually do when i'm doing sourdough is i leave the salt out i put it in a dish on top of the bowl so that i don't forget to add it later <laughs> yep, yep, yep. but for the first like bulk ferment i don't put the salt in and then yep. i add it before i do the stretch and folds sure yeah i remember yeah. when i worked at the pizza place when we were making the dough we would like similarly we would let the yeast bloom for a little bit first before putting any salt in there oh yeah with you yeah. i mean you you shouldn't put anything in a yeast bloom except uh sugar sure yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, but I mean, that's like, we, a different like we wouldn't put the salt in until like it was one of the last things we yeah. added when we were mixing the bread yeah. in the machine. Yeah. Like and we when put you're in working all the ingredients first, when you're working with leaveners, that's that's like exactly right. Yeah, yeah that's you want to add the salt in with enough time to like fully dissolve and get totally through the dough. Sure. Yeah. Um, but not too early. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's it. Because otherwise, yeah, you, you don't want to kill it with the salt. Yeah. Know? Another thing you can do that I do sometimes is actually just mix the salt with some water, dissolve it in some water first. Okay. And add it to the dough as a liquid. Um, because it just like, because it's already dissolved, it infuses more evenly. Okay, sure. Through the whole dough. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Because yeah, then you don't have to worry about like, you also don't have to worry about it 
having time to infuse, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 It'll get it'll get through much more easily. Yeah. Pro tip. Pro tip. That's a little pro tip. I'm a pro. You're a pro. Well, I got a pro tip for you. How about you stay tuned while we kick it to the mid-roll and tell you about ways you can support our show. And then when we get back, we're going to talk about all of our favorite salts and how and when to use them. Let's go! Do you want to be the salt that enhances our show's flavor? Do you want to add just a little zing to our step every day? Do you want to lick a rock? You know, nothing brings me greater joy than licking rocks. If the only thing that brings you more pleasure than licking rocks is listening to this show, make sure to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on so that you never miss a new episode. Hell, if you listen on more than one platform, subscribe on all of them. Baby, you on Apple Podcasts, but also you use Spotify for music. Do us a solid and, and subscribe to us on Spotify, too. Ooh, spicy. I like it. You don't have to tell us if you skip us when we come up on Spotify because you're you're listening on Apple. It's okay. Zing. Zing. While you're at it, uh, if you want to go the extra step and add just a little bit of a finishing salt to that. I see what you did there. Consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or sharing this episode with a friend. Please. You'll really enhance the flavor of our month. For every new rating and review we get during the month of January, we'll be donating $2 to The Depot, our local food bank here in NDG. They can turn every $1 into $3 worth of food for a family in need. So by doing the simple free act of leaving a rating and review of this show, you're functionally donating $6 worth of food to people who need it. That really enhances about as much as salt does and it even turns zero into six so if that math is exciting for you go do it you can read all about what the depot is doing at the link in the description of this episode the no bad food podcast is brought to you entirely thanks to donations from listeners like you this show would not exist could not exist it wouldn't be possible for this show to exist at all in any way shape or form if we didn't have a little bit of financial backing happening to us on a regular basis and uh we get that financial backing from you the listeners and from our patrons at patreon.com slash no bad food pod patreon is a crowdfunding platform that lets listeners like you work directly with creators like us to give us money on a monthly basis uh, and help drive the direction of our show. You get access to exclusive insider info, perks like choosing topics for episodes of the show, access to our Discord server where we post new recipes for you to try out and share with your friends and family, and the No Bad Food Recipe Club, which is our exclusive newsletter only available to patrons. Uh, If you're not already subscribed to our patreon please consider joining up at patreon.com slash no bad food pod today if you are already a member of our patreon maybe consider upping your pledge by a dollar this month you know even a dollar goes a long way there's like 15 of you so if each of you ups your pledge by a dollar that's an extra 15 dollars a month true which is like hefty for one person to take on Mm -hmm. but for a group of 15 that's really not much yeah and it makes a difference for us it really does you know Mm -hmm. so think about it patreon meanwhile we are just a few weeks away from the start of munch madness 2024 our annual food bracket tournament and the nomination form and preliminary voting round are now live if you've been following folks it's wild it's tight we're gonna see what happens you can hit the link in the description of this episode or any of our past episodes about this to go cast your vote for which foods you think deserve consideration in this year's tournament are we gonna see a third year of bread championship 
Or are we going to see an upset of the long-term reigning champ? You know, honestly, I I think this might be the year that bread falls. And I think that only because the people's choice category is looking stacked this year. Mm, like a brick house? Like a brick house. Like right now, for, for a little, you know, here's an update on where the polls are at at this point in the polling. Wait, 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 Tom. Mm-hmm. Can you do like a news broadcaster voice for this? You know, Taffer, we're here now at the midway point of the preliminary voting round. And uh, as we start to look at the projected outcome for this year's tournament, the People's Choice category has some really strong frontrunners. Taking up first place right now is Mountain Dew with 48% of the votes. A real head scratcher of a contender no one was expecting a soft drink to make it into the tournament probably at any point ever but as it turns out people want to do the do taking up 40 percent of the votes each we have pickles and potatoes in a close second behind mountain dew also very exciting contenders both of whom could easily be this year's champion and of course we have rice a longtime crowd favorite at 24 percent and smoked salmon coming in at 20 percent slowly making its way downtown walking fast Faces pass and it's homebound. Back to you, Tever. Wow, Tom, this year is really looking wild. I know I didn't see Mountain Dew making it all the way to the top in the people's choice, but the people have spoken. Now, Tom, how is our write-in bracket looking? Well, Tever, thanks for asking. The write-in bracket is... Sorry. This voice is getting... (laughs) Well, Tever, thank you for asking. The... (coughs) Well, Tever, thank you for asking. Tever, thank you so much for asking. The write-in category here on the Nomad Food Munch Madness 2024 nomination form currently has a few frontrunners in curry, sausages, soup, salt, and breakfast sandwiches, all of whom are taking extremely high counts of votes right now in this here preliminary round. We do, of course, have a lot of other options coming in with a handful of votes each. We've got capers and goulash and meatloaf, all worth talking about. We have Takis in there as well. Takis, the extremely spicy chip. And of course, we would be remiss if we didn't mention French fries, a food that has seen a lot of love from our show over the years and may or may not end up in the tournament with just a little bit more of a push from the fans. So if you think any of those contenders are exciting, be they from the People's Choice bracket or the write-in category, and you want to make your voice heard, please, please, whatever pitch your voice is at, uh, head to the link in the description to cast your votes. Now, uh, don't forget that you can do this until the end of January and that you can vote as many times as you want, uh, as clearly someone did, because I can't imagine this many people are actually voting for Mountain Dew. If we end up with a Mountain Dew versus Takis finale, I don't know what I am going to do. I'd cry. I'll just lie down on the floor. That'll be the new studio setup. We'll take away the desk. We'll take away everything. It'll just be tougher on the floor with a mic dangling above their face. We'll just have boom mics so that we can just like, I'll get like a, like a psychologist couch. Oh, that is the next step, isn't it? Ditch the tables. Go for a couch. I think we should do it. God. We Sounds could become great. that kind of podcaster. I would we love could. to become that kind of podcaster. Couch podcasters. I would love to be a couch podcaster. Ugh. I'm already a couch potato. I'm already a couch Mountain Dew. All right, let's get back to the show. 
God, I'm really like, I can't believe my voice got that high there. <laughs> Welcome to the second part of the show. It's where we get a little more personal. It's where we get a little more intimate. It's where we get a little more flavorful. Let's talk about our favorite salts. Before I do have a favorite salt, but I before know. I get in there, yeah. before I get salty, I want to talk about the many salts I have known and loved. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as I have alluded to heavily, I was once a salt vendor. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There was a time when my job was to sit in a room surrounded by jars of seasonings and sell them to people, which was really fantastic until my boss stopped paying me, which is why I quit. However, one of the things we had was 13 kinds of salt. Now, some of these were infused salt. Sure. There was, I think, white and black truffle infused salt. Um, Sure. Your classic, like, lemon salt and, like, garlic and onion and whatever. Yeah. But there were also... Just a bunch of different kinds of honest-to-goodness salt. Sure. Okay. So, I'm going to start with the less surprising and just move gradually weirder and weirder. Ooh, baby. So, naturally, we had your just classic white sea salt. Friend of cooks everywhere. Really nice basic salt to use. There's table salt. Sea salt is like white sea salt is like table salt's like slightly more grown up cousin and i really like sea salt sea salt has a sweetness it's a really mild saltiness Mm -hmm. um it's full of minerals and it's just a really nice one to use seasoning it layers really well so when we're talking about layering your salt um it's using salt at different points in the cooking process to layer the saltiness and get so like when i'm cooking when i'm cooking down my first things like my onion celery whatever i will salt those and then when i add something else i will salt that and then i'll always do like finishing salting you want to do salting in stages right if you want to know more about that can you guess who can teach people samin nasrat you know it. Salt, fat, acid, heat. Yes, she can. Uh, her episode on salt is beautiful. And it you is. should watch it. It's yeah. absolutely beautiful. So sea salt, you know, coarse and fine. <laughs> Kosher salt, I think we had. There's the pink Himalayan salt, which sure. you already yeah, yeah. mentioned. I really like the pink Himalayan salt. It has a slightly higher mineral content. Mm-hmm. And because it's a mined salt, so it's mined in the Himalayas. Mm-hmm. The flavor is just a little bit different. It is a little more minerally. Yeah. Like it tastes a little more like a rock. Yeah. Than like the ocean. Um, It has kind of a, there's like a high note in it that kind of hits you in the hard palate there. There's like a, um, almost a metallic. Sure. Yeah. Bit yeah. to it. But um, in a pleasant way. In a pleasant way. Yeah. yeah. That's what I mean by it. Just like tasting mineral. Yeah. It's very good for you. You can cook with it for sure. I really like it as a seasoning salt in things like salads, salad Mm. dressings. Uh, It has just a tiny bit of crunch to it. It's not crunchy the way a Maldon salt is, but it's just like it has, uh, it's just, it's earthy. Like, and it's nice. It's not an overly salty salt again. It's like a a moderately salty salt. We did have a salt that was a very salty salt that Mm. really like hit you on the tongue. I can't remember what it was. Sure. And this is probably going to drive me crazy (laughs) because like... I remember giving it to selling it to people as like this one's really sharp. This one's really mm-hmm. like fun and strident. And I can't remember what it was. It may have been a type of sea salt. I just don't remember. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. However, speaking of sea salts, mm-hmm. we're about to get to my favorite salt. Okay, okay. Okay. Grey Celtic sea salt. Sure. Is my favorite salt. I love working with it. I love tasting it. It is it's a sea salt from the Celtic Ocean. It's gray because of the mineral content. Its texture is very soft, but a little clumpy. Mm -hmm. So it's not like 
your kind of very dry salts where they're like really, really separate grains, almost sandy. Yeah. Celtic well, sea salt is, is kind of soft and clumps together. It's like it's it's a coarse salt, but it's also like it's like moisture almost, right? It's like brown sugar versus white sugar. Yeah, that's a yeah. really good way to put it. It is yeah. the brown sugar of salts. It also has that mineral quality that mm. the Himalayan salt has, but different because it's from the sea. Sure. I mean, it tastes like a northern ocean. Like, I don't know sure. how else to put it. Like, it comes from a cold sea and it tastes like it comes from a cold sea. Right. Uh, and that one also has a very... I want to say like a tart saltiness, mm -hmm. like it's salty. Himalayan pink salt, I feel like, goes kind of smooth on the tongue. Mm -hmm. It's hitting you everywhere at once. Gray Celtic sea salt has a really strong forward saltiness that hits mm -hmm. you like right away, like right on the tip of your tongue. Right. And then the rest of it sort of develops after. Yeah. And it's just beautiful. It it's is. It's a beautiful salt. Yeah. I love gray Celtic sea salt. I would use it for everything. Like, I had forgotten about it until you mentioned it. Like, I don't know if you saw my eyes. Yeah, I did. There. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you knew about it, but I like, yeah, it's a it beautiful a very salt. long time, but yeah. I miss it. I it's miss lovely. having access to it. It's not to be confused with the gray Celtic sea salt, which, uh, is derived from the sweat glands of basketball players. You're disgusting. I'm is that done. your favorite? No. That is my favorite. Okay, that is okay. my favorite. However, it's right in the middle. Sure. You got an honorable mention? We're, no, we're going to... I got a few more. Ooh. I got a few more. Ooh. Hawaiian red volcanic salt. Mm. Hawaiian red volcanic salt is like Himalayan pink salt's sexy cousin. Okay. It's beautiful. It's like this russet red color mm -hmm. because of the minerals in it. Sure. It's got a little bit of the clumpiness that the Celtic sea salt has, but it's not as soft. Okay. So it's got kind of a... It's a very hard grain. Okay. Like, yeah, it's yeah. a very hard salt. It's crunchy. And is that one of the ones that's like a little ash infused as well? Oh, we're getting there. Okay. <laughs> it's really nice for using with meat. Like, mm. it works really well as a rub. Sure. Uh, it's got kind of a... Like, it's not smoky, but it's like kind of got that like fire adjacent flavor okay you yeah, know yeah. you know it's also pretty salty but i would say like the the primary characteristic for it is that it's crunchy sure which is fun this is making me think that i would like for uh, this probably exists and if someone knows about it please tell me i hope that there is someone out there who is making cheese with all these different kinds of salts Ooh, you know yeah because like that there there's no reason in my mind why you couldn't or uh -huh. why you shouldn't right so like someone's got to be doing it that person could be you oh, sounds like a lot of milk i don't think we live in the right part of of the world to be making cheese so artisanally. what i'm hearing is we should move to ireland we should move at least somewhere that has less strict rules about what kind of milk you can buy in the store okay so there's also Hawaiian black volcanic salt, that's which I think is one. what you're yeah, thinking of. Yeah, probably. Very high carbon content. That's why it's black. Sure. Yeah. Ashiness. It's got a little bit of a smoke flavor to it. Crunchy, similar to the red volcanic salt. I think they're very similar, just sure, with different yeah, yeah. additions. Also nice for meats and stuff, but mm. it's also just a great finishing salt because it's beautiful. That's it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, so that one, like, it's sexy. People use it because it looks good. Of course, yeah. Um, but it also, it tastes good. It tastes earthy. Mm -hmm. uh, it's got a little bit of the minerality to it. Yeah, and it's just like it's from a volcano. That's cool. There's not a lot of things from volcanoes <laughs> that you can eat. Yeah, that's frankly. true. <laughs> if we're going to put it in these terms, which apparently we are, <laughs> there's not a lot of things that are from volcanoes that you can eat. You can't eat lava. You can't eat 
sacrificed virgins. I mean, maybe what else is in volcanoes? Can't. Well, maybe you can actually. That's that's a yeah edit point. <laughs> There's not a lot you can eat from inside a volcano. It's true. Or uh, there, yeah. Is, is so it from inside the volcano or outside? I, d- I don't know. Both. It, I don't know. I mean, like volcanic mountains are formed by lava eruptions. You can't eat Pompeii. <laughs> Unfortunately, you can't eat lava rocks, even though they look so crunchy. Have you ever seen a lava rock? They look like the inside of an arrow bar. They do look. They look like they would taste so good. It's like the injustice that you can't eat pumice. It's just like that's pronounced pumice. Yeah, just like it's your pubic bone. (laughs) Puberty. (laughs) All right, you want to hear about the last salt? Please tell me about the last salt. This is the weirdest one. I'm excited. Okay, this is a weird salt okay this salt is called kala namak okay and it comes i believe from nepal i was gonna guess the klingon empire uh it's often known as himalayan black salt not to be confused with hawaiian black salt okay there we go these are different things i've never heard this name for it before but i do know himalayan black salt okay so it confused me at first because when it's ground up it sometimes does not look salt (laughs) i mean it sometimes does not look black it is also very fine grind so it doesn't look super salt it kind of, I'm looking at a picture of it ground now. It really does kind of just look like a... It doesn't really look salt. It almost it almost looks like a powder you would put into like a dessert machine. You know? Yeah, but don't do that. <laughs> Thank you for just taking dessert machine at face value. I've learned to just yes and you, baby. Do you, you mean know? rock salt? Like for ice cream machines? Yeah, but, but what I actually mean is that it looks like fun dip. Oh, no, that's a horrifying thought. Do you want to know why that's a horrifying thought? Because it's really fucking strong. Kalanamak has the presence of grazite, which is an iron sulfide compound. And that makes it brownish pink to dark violet, which is very pretty. And it also makes it smell like eggs. No. To put it politely. No. Um, this is a sulfuric powder. And when you open the jar, it is overwhelming oh no it is like somebody just hard-boiled two dozen eggs in a very small room fascinatingly (laughs) i i am learning now that it is also used as a laxative and digestive aid oh well that makes sense uh and actually i i think i misspoke earlier because it's actually hydrogen sulfide that gives it the most prominent contributor to the smell. I mean, in either case, it smells like a fart. It, Yeah, okay. Yeah. It does. It's in a very small amount. It also has some acidic compounds. So the taste is really sharply salty and also acidic. You are immature. You're, you're a child. It's not even that. I'm just thinking about how you're not selling me on this right now. So, I mean, that's the thing. It's a. It's yeah. like it, you use it in very small amounts. Sure. This is a yeah. salt that you use very sparingly. Yeah. Um, a lot of vegans use it. Sure. Because it provides that kind of funkiness yeah, yeah. that you don't get in a lot of vegan cooking. Well, it feels like it would maybe be like a good, like, a good way to get egg flavor yeah. for something that you can't. Um, I think like a lot of vegan potato salads will use it. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I I mean, again, this is like from when I worked at this shop, which was like seven years ago. So take it with a pinch of kalanamak. Uh, Ah. 
it's just like a fun little salt because it's so weird. It is yeah. such a weird little salt. No, totally. Uh, but like it has its place. It yeah, has of its uses. And despite its really strong smell, the flavor is fun. Dip. Because it does have the tartness, it has the saltiness, and it even has a little bit of sweetness. You know the yeah. way some salt has just like a little bit of sweetness there? Sure, sure. Um, so it's fun. It's yeah. an interesting uh, salt. Yeah. So there's my salt rundown. I'm sure I forgot a few. Don't limit yourself. There are so many kinds of salt. Yeah. And there are so many different uses for it. And it really is as fun an ingredient as any other to play with. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you can get a bunch of salts and sprinkle them all on, like, I don't know, some cucumber and see how each one of them tastes. That's fun. Yeah. I like that idea. We didn't talk about finishing salt. I forgot to talk about fleur de sel and maldon. Yeah, there we go. We did also have fleur de sel. Sure. So Maldon is similar mm-hmm. to Fleur de Sel. It's, uh, you know, those big crunchy flakes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a really nice finishing salt because it's got crunch. That's it. Like and it's finishing a really salt, that's delicate crunch. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like what champagne flutes should feel like when you eat them instead of knives. Sorry, what? You never just want to eat a champagne flute because it looks crunchy? Okay, no, um... No. And also, have you eaten one or are you just assuming? Okay. (laughs) No, I haven't. But like, you know how they look. The way you said that at first made me think that maybe you were talking about some obscure mushroom or something (laughs) called the champagne flute. You know, it's crunchy. It looks like glass. (laughs) Glass looks like it should be fun to eat, but it's knives. I mean, salt is kind of. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. All right. All right. Okay. Okay. Sure. So, Malden salt. It's got uh, the crunch. It's fun. It's nice on watermelon. Ooh, okay. With a little black pepper and a little Maldon salt on a sure. little watermelon. Maldon salt. Maldon salt. Yeah, sounds pretty good. It's yummy. Um, fleur de sel is softer in the same way that mm. Grey Celtic, Grey Celtic sea salt is soft. Um, and it clumps a little bit in the same way. It's sure. got that delicacy. <laughs> uh, fleur de sel is very specific. It comes from a specific beach in Brittany, in France. Yeah. You know, it, it, I mean, like a lot of these salts, like obviously Himalayan sea salt comes from the Himalayas. Yeah. Um, but fleur de sel is special because it is rare. It uh, develops in these very specific conditions. And it really is special. It's it's soft, it's crunchy, it's mild, and it's just a really beautiful salt. I like it a lot, and, like, I understand why it's expensive. Yeah. You know, it's not something you need to have in your kitchen, but it's something you should experience if you can. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think my first exposure to Fleur de Salt, it was actually in, like, an artisanal chocolate bar that I ate at mm-hmm. one point. And it was lovely. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I mean... It is what it is. And a very little goes a long way. You're not seasoning your soup with it. No. You're like spreading some baguette with nice butter and sliced radishes and sprinkling a pinch on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which like, oh God, side note. eat that. (laughs) Butter with with salt in it. We've talked about maybe very, very in passing at one point, like salted butter. Yeah, salted butter is great. But I don't just mean like salted butter. I mean butter with like... like flakes of salt in it, like the beurre so de signe, like yeah. that kind of thing, you know, like a real like salt butter. Oof. Butter and salt are best friends. They are. You want to know another fun butter fact? Butter yes. and salt fact? Yeah. The reason why most recipes call for unsalted butter for baking 
is because unsalted butter is fresher sure. because salted butter lasts longer. Yeah, that makes sense. That's the only reason. So like, go ahead and use salted butter, babies. You do yeah. you. Salted butter, babies. That doesn't that sound like like some dessert somebody's mima makes that's absolutely delicious. It does. And you know what, Teffer? <laughs> this week's episode of the No Bad Food Podcast is brought to you in part by salted butter babies. Are you longing for the tangy crisp of a soft, delicious candy just like Nona used to make salted butter babies available now at a drugstore near you there were so many words in that yeah I don't have a giant rant with a list of 12 different salts that I am intimately familiar with and know and love (laughs) prepared why not Uh, I'm just going to tell you my favorite salt is sea salt I love sea salt I especially love sea salt when it's like in a chocolate bar when it's in caramel in a chocolate bar. Mostly, for me, my favorite application of salt is when it's in a dessert. Like, I, I, I love salt. I want salt to be in everything. I love to eat a little sneaky snack and be like, ooh, that was yummy salty chip, yum yum. But at the end of the day, my favorite time when I am eating something and I notice the salt in it is if I'm eating, like, Ben and Jerry's ice cream. And I'm like, there's some salt, yum yum. Or if I'm, like, eating a chocolate bar that's like, here's a salted caramel chocolate bar or, like, sea salt dark chocolate. And you get that bite and you're like, oh, this is sweet. And there's that pop of salt. Nothing beats that for me. That is my like ideal flavor moment. This just reminded me of a little story about Tom from a few days ago. Tell me, tell me. The other day we were in bed eating ice cream and watching TV, as you do. And you gave this great big sigh and said, you know, I wanted pretzels, but I also wanted ice cream. And now I'm eating ice cream with pretzels in it. (sighs) It's 2024, man. And I just loved you so much in that moment. You know? (laughs) It's the little things. It's the little things sometimes. And and shout out to Benjamin and Jerome for their delicious ice cream concoctions. I just always know that for you, it's like, yeah, if there is an element of salt in this sweet thing, you will like it. That's the thing. And that's just, it's nice to rely on that. Yeah. Predictability. I I don't have a sweet tooth. I like desserts, but I only like desserts if they're a little salty. You don't have a sweet tooth yet. You get so sad if we don't have any ice cream. Yeah, but I specifically need my ice cream to have salty elements. You know, That's my... not not having a sweet tooth. But like, I don't, I don't, <laughs> maybe what it is is I have a sweet tooth, but I very specifically have a salty sweet tooth. Sure. Because I don't really dig things that are just sweet. Is you that know? why you love me? Yeah, because you're abrasive. Yeah. That's it, though. Like, I, I, if you give me just, like, chocolate cake, and it's like, oh, yeah, this is a sweet chocolate cake, I'm going to be like, yeah, it's fine. If you give me pie, I'm like, hell yeah, because that pie is going to have a salty crust. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. That's why I like pie more than I like cake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's why I like Ben and Jerry's more than I like haagen for the most part. Yeah. Because their ice cream tends to have busier flavors. Although there are some haagen that hit that salt note in a real beautiful way. Mm-hmm. But that, that's it, you know? That's true. Yeah. Um, I want to do one final salt shout out. Yeah. I want to speak briefly. I mean, it really is just a shout out to the marriage of salt and potato. Yes. A beautiful marriage. Mm-hmm. A match made in heaven. Yeah. We love you, salt and potato. May you live a long and happy life together. Well, folks, we hope that just like a nice flake of salt on top of a salad, just like... A deer licking a rock in the woods. Like just, meeting the man of your dreams and then meeting his beautiful wife. We hope that this episode enriched you in ways untold. Before we do the outro, 
There's Uh-oh. one final thing we need to do. Turtle? The turtle. Folks, uh, this is a recent re-addition to the show. Those of you who are, are longtime fans of the Zalatni Extended Cinematic Universe will know that uh, there is a turtle, a Koopa, if you will, who has been with me for nigh on a decade now of content creation, whose butt stores our topics today. At the end of the show, whenever it is just Teffer and I on the show, we will reach into the back of this turtle and pull out a topic either connected to today's topic or suggested by a listener or suggested, requested, even insisted upon by one of our patrons. Whatever we pull out of the Koopa's butt today will be the next thing we talk about when we are alone together in the studio to record. I just want to point out that I didn't know Koopas kept their butts literally on the top of their shells. You know, at some point we just started calling it the turtle's butt instead of calling it the Koopa shell. And I, you know, maybe it's like a cloaca situation. It's the positionality that confuses me. Yeah. You can't just say cloaca anytime you want to make a point. Can't I? (laughs) Can't I? (laughs) I think it's your turn. All right. I'm reaching in. I'm going to pull something out of here and we're going to see what happens next time on the show. Okay, all right. So this one, I'm going to give you uh, I'm going to give you 3 chances to guess what this one is, okay? Uh your first clue is that this is something that is currently one of the front runners in the write-in division for the nominations for Munch Madness 2024. Suddenly everything all of the categories are mixing up in my brain because I am nervous. That's okay. You're allowed to be wrong up to 3 times. You'll find out what it is, whether you're ever right or not. I know. My brain has just gone blank. You want to pass? Yeah. All right. <laughs> I second, need the next hint. That's okay. Your second hint. Uh, this is something that, ooh, when it came up a little while ago on the show, I said, I think I would love it if it wasn't so much more work than what I usually do to feed myself in the morning. We talked about this today? Not today. No. Last week, two weeks ago. Plumbing the depths of your brain here. I, my brain doesn't have depths, okay? Unfortunate. You ready for your third yeah. hint? Yeah. Your third and final hint. One could argue that the greatest of these comes from fast food chain McDonald's, but one could also make a case for other fast food chains oh, doing Frank it decently. Fat. What? Did you say Frank Fat? <laughs> I said... I what said, is Frank Fat? <laughs> I said Frank Fat, but I want to change my... It's a breakfast sandwich. It's the breakfast, it's sandwich. The breakfast sandwich. There you go. So next time that the two of us are alone in the studio, we will be talking breakfast sandwiches. Okay. I hope you're ready. I'm so ready. Egg, cheese, meat. This is another bread. one of those things where I used to work in a cafe where I made breakfast sandwiches. Like, I have so many thoughts on this. Perfect. All right, folks. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of No Bad Food. Do you want to be part of the conversation? Hit us up on the socials at No Bad Food Pod and individually at Tuffer Bear and at Tom Zalatni. If you like this episode and want to help us make the show even better, head to patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod to donate. For as little as $1 a month, you'll be joining the ranks of fine folks like Chantal H., Gab, Thomas, Erica, Andrew, Chantal T., David, Mallory, Sarah, Carol Ann, Rachel, Ask and Anne. Patrons get access to all kinds of awesome perks, including the ability to shove things in the turtle's <laughs> butt. If that's exciting for you, head to patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod to make it happen. We also have merch. You can hit the merch link in the description to get all sorts of great stuff from our friends over at Podcavern. And of course, you can support us for free by leaving a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice and by sharing this episode with a friend. Our theme music is by Zach Salted Butter Baby Ingles, and our cover art is by David Somebody Point Me to the Best Ash Eater Flam. You can find links for both of them in the description of this episode. And last but not least, this show was produced by Tom Zalatni. 
and Tepera Jemian, and edited by Tom Zalat and I as part of the Podcavern Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at www.podcavern.com. See you next week. You understand. Just takes a little time, it takes a little time, it takes a little time with me. I hope you don't mind, we'll take it slow this time. No Bad Food is a proud member of the Podcavern Network. For more great shows like this one, head to podcavern.com. Have you ever seen those lists on the internet that's like top five sandwich toppings, top five movies of the year, top five celebrities who have a very punchable face? You know what I'm talking about. The point is, all these lists drive us crazy because we have no idea who made them and how they even narrowed down their top five list. That's where my podcast comes in. My name is Tung La and I am the host of Ranked, top five lists of stuff that don't matter. In every episode, with the help of a motley crew of self-proclaimed experts, we debate, battle, and work together, showing you the entire process of how we got there to create a top five list of any and every topic we can think of, like top five brunch menu items, top five fictional dogs, top five 90 songs, top five Steve's. The list goes on and on, and we will not rest till we rank basically everything. So join us every second Thursday in the pod cavern for ranked top five lists of stuff that don't matter. Top five, top five, top five. In 2017, Universal Studios announced the Dark Universe, an ambitious project that would see all of their classic movie monsters come together like some kind of horror Avengers. Only one movie was ever made, which bombed so hard they canceled the entire franchise. But what if they hadn't? On our podcast, Are You Afraid of the Dark Universe, we imagine the connected horror universe that never was. Every week, one of us pitches the other on the next movie in the universe until we grow to Marvel proportions and beyond. So far, we've tackled Frankenstein, The Wolfman, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and many more, and we're just getting started. Follow along on your favorite podcast app and ask yourself the question, Are you afraid of the dark universe?